This is silly, and I'd like to go to bed. Hello, and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 65. I almost said hello and welcome to 65. That wouldn't have made any sense. With me, my two beautiful co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. This is Jess. Yes, you are. Also, Brian Perlman. Hello, Internet. We have no no British flair this time, but I think we'll do okay. Flair. Flair. <laughs> All right, so how'd you guys' pre-releases go, huh? Eh? Uh, I went 5-0. I went 4-0-1. Drew in. Well, I mean... Drew into what? Did you have a top eight at your pre-release? No, but first and second got extra prize, so I drew into first and second. Oh. So why, why don't you just agree to split and then play out for pride? Because you have no pride? Because if I lost, I may not have gotten second. Oh, see, we just we just did prizes based on a uh, uh, oh, no. record. No, this was based on standing. Record is uh, so much cleaner, though. No, I well, yeah, I like that, but I didn't. I, I wasn't the to. So oh well, that that brings up an interesting. Thing. How were our pre-releases different? So CJ, what was your pre-release like? Where were you? Where were you? Where were you pre-releasing at? Uh, a local store. You don't want to give them a plug. What is their name? Like the Pussycat Club or something like that? CJ, uh, I, I was at Titans Comics and Games, but they didn't exactly do everything right, so I wasn't going to say their name. Oh. I mean, but I, now I have. Yeah, well, I mean, the cat's out of the bag. Okay. The Pussycat yeah. is out of the bag. So I'll describe mine a little bit. So I show up and um, and I've been like agonizing over which guild to choose. And I finally settled on Simic because I just really wanted to play Simic. I like I just like Simic. And uh, I show up and they're like, uh, we're just gonna let you pick both your guilds. And I'm just like, Whoa. Uh, and that is, that's a thing. I mean, they're allowed to make, make that yeah. distinction. Like It's just yeah. not encouraged. No. And I think that's less fun. But for somebody like me who, you know, I wanted to win, I was like, all right, well, I'm going uh, Simic. Demir. Simic Demir. Selesnia. Oh. Selesnia. Simic Selesnia's <laughs> okay. I, I went Rakdos Boros. And I was about to say, my buddy went Rakdos Boros, which I think is also a very fine choice. Uh, I'm a little, I was a little nervous about that because of the the cycle of common two fours. I wasn't sure how Rakdos Boros could do with that. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. beyond that, um, around, at round two, the judge came out and said, all right, Boros won the maze. And I was like, what, what maze? Where was it? What, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the rules of the maze are. I'll let you guys explain those to me in a second because i have no idea okay they just said boros won the maze and then he gave achievement cards to three people who chose boros and then he gave achievement cards to the rest of us because they had 30 achievement cards in 24 players and then at some point he also gave us all three foil planes and two mazes ends and i had no idea what was going on but i was just like sure give me all these cards i guess okay and that was my pre-release Woo. All right. I think I think I'll, I'll go next because, Jess, you probably your pre-releases were probably much larger uh, yeah. and, and more epic. I mean, they um, were small for us. <laughs> shush. It's only okay. 2000. So um, I went out to Campus Cards and Games. Uh, I went out there for the their F&M and then their midnight pre-release. Not to play. They have about three or four guys that are interested in becoming judges. So I kind of went out there, stayed for the midnight pre-release, just kind of to watch and get a vibe for how they were running things uh, and then showed back up the next day for their for their noon pre-release. So the way they did it was they accepted pre-reg and let you pick your primary guild based on the order in which you pre-registered. Uh, my choice, my first choice was not Demir and my yes. second choice was Simic. Uh, I ended up getting uh, Simic Is It and I ran guildgate.deck. Um, <laughs> Um, because I got uh, uh, three of those dudes that the green dudes that if you have two guild gates, you gain seven life. Yeah. And that was just backbreaking. And I got I got a few good Selesnia uh, uh, and Boros cards. So I kind of splash white um, the it, it went well. I mean, here's the thing. The, the store that I went to campus cards and games, they are a relatively new store, probably only about a month and a half old. Uh, they reached advanced status after like the the pre you know the register for the pools and stuff like that so it's it's right next to a college i really like the store i like the guys that go there they're friendly they're not sharky you know there's only one or two kind of jerky guys uh you know a lot of the people there they're interested in being a judge they want to run things well so i was i was very very happy uh they announced the the midnight pre-release they were a little rough with the maze explanation but they got that together for the for the midday.
day um, and they handed things out effect, efficiently. You know, they didn't do slips. Uh, they the the way they handled who won the matches or, or what guilds won in order to advance the maze. They just basically were like, just tell us and we'll mark it down on a piece of paper <laughs> and then make a big deal. And I'm like running around cheerleading Simic and giving high fives to other Simic guys and basically being a goober. It was fun. I had fun. <laughs> the other people might have been like, who is this guy who just shows up, <laughs> who just showed up at our store and like is making all these ooze jokes. All right, uh, Jess, let's hear it. Well, my pre-release was uh, long. Um, <laughs> starting Friday night at midnight, um, we got started a little bit late. We had uh, 210 players at our midnight event. Jeez. <laughs> um, and that was actually the largest of the six events that we ran, um, which is not usually the case. Usually our Saturday morning is, is larger than our midnight event. But uh, the information that there weren't enough maze champion cards to go around had gotten out. And so our midnight event had a bunch more people than normal. Um, it's a maze champion card. So the planes? No. no, no, no. So, so there are two kinds of special planeswalker points achievement cards that you could get at the pre-release. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is the maze champion card, which you get if your guild wins the maze, and the second one was the maze runner card that you get if you participate in the maze. And both of these have a code on them that is unique to the card that you can okay. enter in planeswalkerpoints.com and get the achievement of being a maze runner or a maze champion. All right, I got maze runner. That's the one he gave out there. I got maze champion, yo. Ah, uh, um, so and I got first place. They obviously uh, they did not send us enough maze champion cards. Um, right. In fact, they did, they didn't send us enough of those pins either. Did you guys get the pins? Yeah, that's sweet. Oh, uh, they ran. Um, oh man, they, I they give a pin. they give us eighteen of each guild, uh, yeah. which did not cover our midnight flight. No. Um, so a little more there would have been nice. But so for the maze champion cards, they sent us significantly fewer than we were going to need um, for the events. And I thought it was just us because it was a, lar- we're a large store uh, at Channel Fireball Game Center. But the uh, the truth of the matter is they didn't send most large larger stores enough. Uh, so they sent out a big apology letter, which immediately went up on Reddit. And so players were like, oh, my God, there's something there's not enough of. We better go to the midnight flight. <laughs> there's something. Um, there's not enough of. <laughs> we might not get an online achievement. I need my free grill pen. Right. So uh, so what we did, knowing that there would not be enough, is we created our own Maze Champion card, which was pretty awesome, uh, that gave people a free weeknight, uh, a free entry into a weeknight event other than FNM if they were uh, if they were a part of the Maze Champion uh, guild. So anyway, the way that, that, uh, that Wizards of the Coast sent out this thing that has a... Um, a chart for how many spaces in the maze you're supposed to move forward for each match win. And, you know, if you like, if you have eight players in your pre-release, you're supposed to, every match win moves that guild forward six spaces. And if you have, uh, you know, 16, it's, it's so many spaces. And, but the chart stops at 55. Uh, um, and you had 200 and some. <laughs> so it's a half uh, a space per win. Like basically that I'm looking at it going to 55 is one space for every match win. We're going to be done by the end of the first round. Yeah. There's only like 11 or 12. 12 spaces in this thing. So we, we had to extrapolate from there and it ended up being like every four match wins was one space forward in the maze. It, uh, <laughs> it, it seemed it seemed like it because I, I sat down and played with the numbers a little bit. It seemed like if one of the guilds won, uh, uh, you know, if 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 they won each round or or they won the first two, if they went 2-0 uh, on all their matches that they would complete the complete the maze uh, uh, into the second at the end of the second round or that seems to that seems to be like guild wins? yeah if the entire if the if if everybody who got that guild like assuming perfect distribution um if they went 2-0 uh then it seems like that they were designed to penetrate right, but, there, but there wouldn't be perfect distribution because i know out of out of 210 players we had something like five playing demir sure, so sure but it was it was be. something like like if you only had eight players um uh, well, you won't even have all 10 guilds represented if you have eight if, players if you, if you had eight players you were moving six spaces and there was i think 12 total spaces to move so each match would get you two so if you went if one person went 2-0 you know they would their guild would reach the 
end. And if there was more than if there was, you know, for the nine to 16, it was like three. So if two people went two oh in a guild, it would. And then it went to like four and then eight, that kind of thing. So, it no, it, it was it was. I'm hearing lots of math, but I don't know what your point is. <laughs> it, it, it's, it looked like the sweet spot was the end of round two. There was going to be a winner. We did not have this way. The way we set it up, I don't know if it was because of the way we set it up, but most of our uh, events had a winner or a an almost winner in round three. Um, we did have a couple where it, like we didn't have a winner in round three, but we wanted a winner in round three because that way we could hand out the foil planes mm. to everybody during round four because we only ran four rounds. Why a planes? Does anybody know? Um, you mean a planes as opposed to any other? As opposed uh, to anything else? I mean, the basic land thing, I don't know. It's part of the maze. Like, I, honestly, I think the planes is kind of like, sorry, the promo is so crappy. Like, so it's, they give us the planes is actually better than the maze's end. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's a start of a trend too. I think we'll start to see the other lands as well. That's a possibility uh, too that we might see like in the next four sets we might see one of each basic. Yeah, and I think there's been complaints because because Mark Rosewater has gotten this question a lot, and, and I think there's been complaints about the playability of these promos and things like that. So they just went with something that is guaranteed playable. Um, and also something guaranteed unplayable. I mean, they've had complaints about not having mythic promos since Wormcoil Engine was printed. As yeah. A promo. And then they finally made a, a, a mythic promo and they're like, here, have your mythic promo. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to do anything with it. But it's, it's such a horrible. Oh, we did get uh spoiler. We did get another uh, uh, person uh, wrote in and told us another way of getting a uh, 11th gate. Yeah. Spoiler. They were wrong. Spoiler. Were they? <laughs> I didn't I didn't go through. I didn't go through it. Did they guess Lazav because that doesn't work. Correct. That's exactly it. Yeah, because that's where my mind went first. And I looked up and read Lazav and went, oh, I'm sad now. Yep. That's exactly it. I they, let me guess, so they Lazav, they hydroformed a thing and then killed it. And then they realized that they have a land or they, yeah. they, they don't have a land rather. We'll talk about that later. Anyway. So, uh, yes. so, so our pre-release, our pre-releases were awesome. Uh, I was, uh, it was a little crazy because I stayed to make sure midnight was firing correctly, and then I went home and slept for all of like four hours and came back and uh, and ran the morning event and played in the afternoon, ran the morning event and played in the afternoon. So it was it was a long weekend for me. Uh, but we had a lot of players. We had nearly a thousand players all over the course of the weekend. Wow. Uh, we came. We we started referring to our pre-releases as GP Santa Clara. Um, it, it's obviously not a GP, but it's it, some of them have been larger than some Australian GPs. So oh, you know, Australia burn. <laughs> No, no, that's not what I meant. Just that, like, you know, they have small GPs and we have huge pre-releases, so we'll, like, meet in the middle. Um, we had, this was one, the, the first one where we tried something different. We actually had, in addition to professional gunslingers at the event, we also had magic artists. Mm -hmm. um, and that went over reasonably well, not as well as I'd hoped, uh, but reasonably well. We had uh, uh, Carla Ortiz, who uh, was the artist for Tesa, and uh, Peter Morbacher, who did Blood Scrivener, and a few other artists there um, to, to sign cards and all kinds of stuff. Um, and it was it was pretty crazy. Um, we had so many people participating in open dueling to get the Tesa pack so they could crack a foil Tesa and have it signed. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so it was crazy. We had one uh, DQ for people adding cards, uh, which was unfortunate, uh, but I actually expected more. I don't know why I expected more, but I did. Um, and I don't know, like, oh, yeah, you wanted to talk about guild packs and how we handled that, right? Yeah. So um, for something as large as what we have, it's not feasible to give them the guild pack when they sign up, like some smaller stores might. Um, and it's also not feasible to, like, seat them by guild because Wizards Event Reporter won't do that. So um, we created little, basically little token cards that were for each of the 10 guilds. And when you signed up, you, you told us what guild you wanted, and we gave you the token card. And, uh, and then we just went around the room with boxes that we had sorted that were just like this is the selesnia box every pack in here is a selesnia box of some kind yeah and and you're like you're selesnia here's what you get and they turn it over and go i didn't want you know selesnia simic can i get something else and you're like i'm sorry it's random that's what you got um and then they would turn to their friend who got selesnia and be like you want to trade and they'd be like yes and they trade and i would not i would pretend i had not seen it um <laughs> but like, they haven't opened anything yet. It actually has no impact on the event. So, yeah. Um, but that, so did, so they, you, did you have an issue where like like because because if you put like all the Selesnias in one box, then, you know, the, the so here's, Boros we, box is not going to have any Boros uh, Selesnias. So we in had uh, I mean, we had just over a thousand guild packs to sort. And so what we did is we took uh, we took ha exactly half of them and, and we broke them down into two halves and we sorted half of them by RTR guild and half of them by Gate 
crash guild and we made oh, boxes. Okay, that works. And then when we ran out of, and we kept an inventory, because um, every time our guy, this is a little technical, really doesn't matter, but every time our guys would ring you up for the pre-release, they would also ring up an, a $0 item for your guild in the point of sale system so we could track how many of each guild we had sold so that when we would hit zero, we were done. We were out of that guild, couldn't sell it anymore. That's interesting. Um, so That's me. So, so they, they that way we were sure not to ever run out of uh, a guild and also sell it. So we actually ran out of Orzov, Celestia, and Boros through pre-registration and through people buying it before we had finished sign up for the midnight event. Hmm. Um, so that was crazy. But yeah. um, the rest of them were, were pretty even, except for Demir. Nobody wanted to play it. What, you know, and I've been a big Demir hater, but I think Demir in Dragon's Maze actually is a lot better than Demir in gate crash so i think if demir was ever going to be good this the pre-release was the only time um no i mean we, you do have the one 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 draft format now which yeah. I, I yeah but I, I don't i mean i've done this twice now which is funny because it's only tuesday but um i have done the 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 draft format twice now and it's a blast it's a lot of fun yeah so speaking of blast let's talk about our main topic <laughs> the show awesome yeah uh we have new documents we mentioned this last time we have a new ipg mtr and jar dun 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 Dun, dun, dun. And none of them have any major changes. So what we're going to do, we're going to keep the show to be a, a lighter show. I always say that, and then we see what really happens. But the plan is to blast through those real quick. Ooh, I actually tied in the word blast in there. Nice. Yes. Yeah, that was a real segue. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> say that that was planned. Oh, it was definitely planned. Oh yes. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna blast through these, and then we're gonna get caught up on our emails because we have not been able to read them in the past due to having specials or whatever we need to be doing. So let's start with the uh, MTR, guys. Whee! First first off, uh, the date that the MTR is coming out has changed. Oh, no, the date. Oh, and I think this should set the tone for how major all the changes right. in these documents are. Right, time moved forward. <laughs> what does it say? It t- they come out 12 days before release now? Uh, the the Monday, 12 days before the release. Okay. And does that apply to all documents or is that just the MTR? Because the, the MTR is the only one that mentions it. Well, I big. imagine it's just the MTR, but they usually line them up. Right. Okay. But, but we have seen the MTR come out before without the IPG coming out and waiting a few days for that when right. there were significant changes. So I, I'd be willing to bet triggers? it's... Yes. Yes. So I'm willing to bet that it's, as a rule, they'll come out at the same time, but not as an official rule. Plus, the, the MTR has, since it has realistically the most, probably the most impacting thing, which is bannings and unbannings, yeah. they need to stick to a more regimented schedule. And let's jump to that real quick. We talked about it last episode, let's mention it real quick, is... Uh, uh, regrowth was unrestricted in vintage and uh that's the change everyone cares about yes, yes. and um second sunrise was banned in modern there you go yeah yeah that's the fun one and 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 the reason why it was banned is because it adds an extra hour to your tournament yes uh and you know what there was a there was an update to the commander ban list too but i honestly don't know do you guys know I, it was um Did they just banned the format because that would make me happy oh come on <laughs> Come on. I believe it was Staff of... Staff of Domination was unbanned. Yeah. And then, so, all of a sudden, all the, the, the people at the, the store that I go to have started, like, how can I break Staff of Domination? I'm going to build a... What's that What's that Sphinx that gets artifacts when she comes into play? Uh, the real obnoxious one uh, that's Esper-colored. That's what's her uh, name? Sharoom. Sharoom, yes, yes. So many people like, oh, Staff of Domination's been unbanned. I'm going to make a room artifact deck made me want to it made me like twitch <laughs> all right so what else we have here we we have a, a clarification of the definition of spectator someone say what this means exactly <laughs> um well spectator is a type of ghost okay okay um i think it, it's specter oh is that a specter specter sorry uh, well i guess i guess the well maybe the definition's not as severe as i thought it was um no they just changed the wording a little bit to kind of imply that you know like coverage guys and people wandering around and you know that are at the tournament location but aren't actually being a player or being a judge or anything like that so the guy selling hot dogs in the in the little vendor shack stuck to the side of the venue he's a spectator now okay good so if he's no outside assistance <laughs> no no yes <laughs> no outside assistance from the guy putting relish on your wiener um, <laughs> but see you could ask him for help and still get a match loss yeah yeah that's true well, <laughs> Guy, guy walks over and he's like, hey, I'm selling hot 
dogs and you're like great i want a hot dog also should i play this path to exile like <laughs> what do you what? it's it's primarily there though to include the guys doing coverage yes okay right. but a uh, law of unintended consequences hot dog vendors now may no longer be solicited for strategic advice so steps in pre-game procedure updated what does that mean you guys tell me i'm just going to read the change notes to you guys and you tell me what happened um, they they removed. It looked like they removed a step uh, involving a, a a redundant shuffle. Oh, okay, cool. It was like your opponent shuffles your library, and then like two steps later, your opponent shuffles your library. Right, you have to do it twice. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of updates for just because a new set came out, so formats changed. Obviously, standard now will allow Dragon's Maze. Uh, but there's one more thing, and Jess, you seem to understand this one. It's the uh, the Dragon's Maze exception. Tell us about that. Uh, well, the, <laughs> so there's a rule that, that mysteriously appeared in, in the uh, in the tournament rules about the time of Zendikar that <laughs> was basically said if you open a card in your pack that's not from a set that you're drafting, you can't play it. Um, yeah, do, you, were, do you remember? Do you remember when this rule hit? Like how it people were like not necessarily freaking out, but like a few days before the pre-release, there were rumors that somebody had opened a pack and gotten like a, a a lich or something like that, and it was on Twitter and Reddit and all that and MTG Salvation forums, and everyone was like, "No, that's got to be fake. That's got to be fake." And then like Thursday evening before the pre-release, they issue a letter to all the um to all the store locations with this weird cryptic rule that says if you open a card in your pack that doesn't belong to that set they get to keep it but they don't get to play it which what we're referring to is the the whole hidden treasures thing from zendikar so zendikar had random which, old cards which never officially happened by the way um what do you mean officially yeah wizards what? never admitted to wizards it. wizards does not acknowledge that this occurred <laughs> what um, <laughs> i didn't know that no, no it's true it's because it's uh if they acknowledge that this occurred that means they re released cards that that they weren't supposed to reprint oh <laughs> well they didn't reprint them no but there was some concern as i understand it over whether or not that would be against their policies yeah uh I don't so think they, they just they just today. pretend it didn't happen even well, though everyone knows it right and they didn't because i i think like right before uh i don't know if they like raided their own stores or anything like that but i remember i seem to recall about like three months before zendikar came out star city went on this major buying rampage where they're like we need to reprint replenish our stock of legacy and vintage staples sell us your stuff so they're there for all your you tinfoil hat theory people you know just just ponder that and and seed a little bit more so so anyway the exception to this rule is uh that that if you open a dragon's maze pack and you open a land that is from return to ravnica or gate crash you can play that land and that's because the Shocklands have the Return to Ravnica or Gate Crash guild symbol on right. or not guild symbol. Which is weird. Uh, which is weird to me because the the guild gates do not, right? Like they made new versions yeah. of the guild gates uh, with new art and new expansion symbols, but they did not for the Shocklands, and I don't know why. Yeah, I can't think of any real reason not to, but they didn't. I so. mean, it might drive the price of the Dragon's Maze up ones up or down, you know, like. Uh, I guess so. Well, I would say down, right? Because they'll be more common. No, maybe. not. Well, I mean, uh, the, no. I mean, they're already including them in packs, but Dragon's Maze will be open less than the other sets, so they would be rare. Rarer, that version. Rarer. Rarer. Uh, so anyway, there's a rule that tells you you can open the cards you played with. Congratulations. Or you can play with yes. the cards you opened, I mean. Yes. And finally, uh, the comprehensive uh, comprehensive rules reference to two-headed giant mulligan rules has been corrected. Whew. It's Whew. about time. Like, yeah. that's just killing me. Like, the old version just didn't, was just a, like a statement that said, hey, there's mulligans, and now the section actually has stuff in it. We. 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 I mean, yeah, that's... If you're if you're into two headed giant, go read section nine dot four. The uh, the IPG had slightly more significant changes, didn't it? Yeah, they changed the word damage to disruption <laughs> to avoid implying actual damage to cards. There is there is one functional change that I really love uh, as yeah, a TO. Cool. I really love in the, the IPG, and that's that the three minutes is no longer the official time limit uh, for uh, for, for pre, pre game procedure. Okay, uh, and for tardiness, uh, it was never the official time limit for tardiness, but uh, they used to be the TO 
option to give basically you could either let it be zero or you could give them the three minutes. And now it's been clarified the tournament organizers can give them any amount of time, which has led me to think what amount of time is appropriate? Could I be like, well, you've got to be in your seat 45 seconds after we start the round or you're late. Like, can I do that? Which I, I mean, I know I can, but is that reasonable or should it be one minute, two minutes, zero I would, minutes? I would think that whole minute increments would probably be best. Like I was thinking one minute, like one in 10 time limit would be that's actually fine. really good. I think that's good. I mean, really, really what the, the reason you would use. Well, let, let's let's talk briefly about when you would use the three and 10 policy. OK, normally you would use that when there's some idiosyncrasy with the venue, right, where there's or, or you do it. You do it for two reasons. One, there's an idiosyncrasy with the venue. Um, like it's hard to get to the pairings. You have too many players and not enough space. So you might make the tardiness policy a little bit a little bit looser just to handle the fact that people are going to have problems getting to and from the pairings boards. Um, the the other one is, you know, this idea it's it's an idea that you can you don't have to wait for everybody to get to their seat. You can just start the round and uh, uh, then turn rounds faster since you don't have to you don't have to wait for everybody to kind of. Uh, yeah, then you're stealing time from the players like that's bad. I, I said it was a theory man or it was a school of thought so i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say if you're in that school of thought you're wrong like <laughs> it's so bad um you're, you're stealing from your players it's not your time it's theirs like anyway um so i don't know like is there a time is appropriate like here's what i don't like and and the only thing i don't like about the zero and ten is that we like to do this thing called zero and ten with a heart the heart and it's not that i don't want to have a heart it's that i want to find i want a definite line right when when somebody gets a game lost because they're 15 seconds late but somebody else doesn't get a game lost because they're 15 seconds late that's inconsistent and i don't like that in my events so if we can if we can give them a little bit of a window that's there's not a terribly unreasonable window and then be firm with that line i'd prefer that to zero and ten with the heart what do you guys think about that i, I mean i'm i'm really liking a minute here i, I think that's I, I enough like time it. for those people who just happen to be in the bathroom or standing off on the other side to run over and get in their seats yeah, I, I like if you're going to give a window, um, uh, uh, then one minute is fine. I, I, I kind of like the the zero with a heart. Why is that? Well, here here's the thing. The the whole reason that we have the the um, uh, the wind or not the the whole reason that we say, you know, we want the round to start. Wow, I'm not prepared to go into this, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I'm studying. The whole reason that we have the round start at zero is because that's the time that it starts everybody needs to be there everybody needs to be ready now the reason why we punish people uh or rather they earn a penalty for being late is because we need them to respect the time in which the rounds are supposed to start we we want them to respect that we want them to be where they're supposed to be they need to be responsible they need to be accountable for their actions okay uh they can't be kind of sluggish and that kind of thing however if you see a guy who's making an effort and hurrying then and he is being respectful of the fact that the round needs to start when it needs to start. He's hurrying. He's rushing. He's making the effort. He's not dawdling and, you know, shopping at the vendor booth and thinking that he's got plenty of time, that kind of thing. So, but, I mean, what if he what if he he's only hurrying because he was shopping at the vendor and thought he had plenty of time and then he realized, oh, I don't have plenty of time and turned around and started running like that's that's him not paying attention just as much as the guy who's that this in the well, same that's, position. That's why, four minutes that's in. Why, that's why you're not you're not necessarily you know it's like oh well if you're all the way at the vendor okay and you know players you have 50 seconds or 50 minutes you have 50 seconds 50 second matches you have 50 <laughs> minutes you may now begin okay and then that guy starts hurrying no 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 but if you're if you're announcing guy uh guys you have 50 minutes and while you're talking you see a guy hurry you know hurrying to his table he's he's and he's you know when 50 minutes 50 minutes you may now begin he's like four four seats away five seats away sure whatever um now now to be fair some judges are no when i call zero it's you know when i call time it's time there's a line because there has to be you're late and i respect that decision as well too i don't know i feel like giving a minute just gets the same results as the with a heart whatever i feel like i can start the round a little earlier if i give a minute 
see that and then then we get into that problem we just described where yeah i don't why I don't, are you starting around earlier i don't really like i got places I, to be i don't i don't like institutionalizing a minute because then players will learn that they have a minute yeah i agree because I, even as i said i don't think i'd want to announce do you have to you announce know, it if you're uh, not here's okay so yeah. there's two important things that we need to bring up about this the first one is is if there's a change it must be announced if you're not right. doing zero and ten it must be announced at the beginning and the second one is if this is not a choice that is up to the head judge Yes, yeah, this is a choice that is up to your tournament organizer. So if you are not the tournament organizer, you need to talk to them about it before you make an announcement. You can't just decide, hey, you know what? We're doing three minutes today. It's not up to you unless you're the tournament organizer. So don't don't uh, don't decide as the head judge without talking to the TO first. And nor and normally when you would do when you do it, or at least in my mind, is when there is something, some issue with the venue that makes things that makes things difficult to to maneuver around and, uh, and move around around that's that's really the only time that i've i've made so a, a, a great example of that is we've split the tournament into two different rooms because it's too big right uh yeah right. i think that's a good one it is or, is yeah go ahead or some some people are playing outside on the sidewalk or something like that <laughs> oh i hope that doesn't right. happen that's terrible uh, it's, it's i've seen it but it's it's bad yeah Okay, well, I think that's a good place to leave that at. So there was also some clarification to improper drawing at start a game, and I think, Brian, you have a good understanding of that? Uh, yeah, so what they did with the... So the whole the whole question of what improper draw at start of game used to say was, uh, you know, a player draws too many cards or not enough cards in his opening hand while resolving a mulligan or before taking his first legal game action. And so the question always boiled down to well what's what's a legal game action what is and and let me find let me get to the new so the question so is passing priority a legal game action if i say if the if i'm on the play or sorry if i'm on the draw and you cast a spell and i go okay i just pass priority is that a legal game action am i now late <laughs> so so what happens if my opponent just goes land go and i'm like okay whoop i just passed I just passed priority. I got, I got a game loss. You can call judge on me now uh, for drawing extra cards. So the way it's been changed now is this infraction, uh, it says now a player draws the wrong number of cards during pregame procedures or does not skip their draw step while playing first. This infraction is only issued before the player takes a visible, visible legal <laughs> game action during the game. If discovered after that point, the infraction is drawing extra cards. So and I'd like to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, if you want to point something out, go on. I just wanted to point out that this is this is a player. It takes a lead. It, it, it's, it's not necessarily the player who drew the extra cards. Uh, no. This infraction is only issued before a player takes a visible legal action during the game. So if if I'm if I'm player A and I've drawn eight cards at the beginning of the game and you're player B and you go land go, you've taken a visible legal game action during the game. Now, I'm not saying you wouldn't necessarily you know deviate from that depending on the situation. But but that's that's definitely mm-hmm. how it's worded. No, I got to disagree with that. That, that I mean, would, that's be, a, what that would be a change You can't disagree policy. with what it says. Well, here here's the thing. It's always been the whole if I can go land go judge he gets a game loss like if i notice that he's got an extra card in his hand but that's you know, not, and i agree that that's what has always been taught and what's always been done but that's not what the policy says yeah no i mean i, I agree that that is what it says and and if i didn't already know what brian just said i might be able like to this is this is it. much like the caution for slow play a situation where reality doesn't agree with policy huh it's interesting because because it even has the line about if the game has begun put the cards randomly on top of the deck right we, we wouldn't even know where that line is about the game beginning if um we wouldn't No, the, the game is begun. Yeah. The, the game is begun line is there for if I draw a card during my draw step, if I'm the first player. OK, so so I I'm the first player. I have seven cards in my hand uh, and I go, are you I'm keeping are you keeping and you go, I'm keeping. I go, OK, cool. I'm going to start my turn uh, and I get to start the game with this gemstone cavern and, or this ley line in play. Now I'm going to draw. Oh, well, no, that's that's I've taken a game action. But like, is it so that now we have questions about that, right? Like, so this is actually a very poorly worded policy, in my opinion, um, in that it's not very clear. But I don't think that you can argue that that playing a land is not a visible legal game action. Hmm. That's interesting. Why don't you call up your your buddy Tobes? Get him on down to your basement. Uh, I don't. A. I don't have a basement. <laughs> B. I. I don't know how you feel about me calling him Tobes. Um, oh, you. You won't know until you try. <laughs> 
Um, no, like I, I agree that that's too harsh. Like I think that's extremely harsh. Um, and I know that it's been taught and I've been told by higher level judges, this is not how you do it, but that's definitely how it's worded. Hmm. Uh, and, and I've never heard, I've never, I've definitely talked to judges who are like, oh yeah, that's how it's worded, but that's not what we do. Um, yeah, see, so, I read it, I read it and interpreted it as it's, it's a player being, you know, I'm a player, I'm taking a legal action. You're, you're a player, you're taking a legal action. And so my, my my line is when I take a legal action. Your line is when you take a legal action or a visible legal action. No, my is, line is what the IPG says, which is when a player takes a legal action. It's no longer drawing proper card, drawing improper cards for that player. That is that is when I read it. That is the way I interpret it. So well, we can have nerd we can have nerd fight right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get clarification and hopefully we'll yeah have we absolutely should get show. clarification. And we, yeah, exactly. We should hopefully have yeah. it on the next show. So, All right. Or, so or, or, or this show if I can get someone. <laughs> That'd be fancy. But for now, yeah. let's, let's uh, dive into judging at regular REL the jar. Why don't we ever call it the jar with like two R's? Wait, yeah. Like why don't we call it the jar? Yeah, no answers to that. That's what I thought. Jar. <laughs> right. The jar. We always just call it. Okay. Anyway, anyway no. It's um <laughs> so the jar has been kind of rewritten but the overall policy i believe is still the same uh one of my favorite new lines in here though i believe this line is new is uh it now reads to uh keep in mind that the philosophy or fixes found in other documents such as the ipg are designed for a stricter environment and should not be applied to a tournament run at regular rio it's a kind of a a pet peeve of mine where I'll see judges be like, well, the IPG says when they're talking about the jar and it's like, well, the IPG doesn't apply. So I love that there's a line here that just straight up says, no, IPG does not apply. But let's talk about the biggest change in the jar, the biggest, the most visible one. Well, change is the right word, but clarification. It now contains a line about what to do when a player forgets a triggered ability. Jess, are you familiar with this one? Um, well, I, I read it. I don't know if familiar is, is the, the <laughs> Word, but yeah, yeah, I know. So it's it's a player forgets triggered ability, which it defines as one that uses the words when, whenever, or at the beginning, usually at the start of the abilities text. Mm. Yeah, that's that's pretty good wording there because it definitely clarifies that people are gonna you be careful to clarify what a triggered ability is for someone that doesn't know. And and for the jar, it's geared at tos and new l1s. New l1s should know, but many tos won't uh, if they've never you know they've been made the judge because they're the guy who happens to have played magic before in the shop right and so they may not know what a triggered ability is um so anyway the the abilities are considered missed if the player did not acknowledge them in any way at the the point that they should have occurred um and this is a a little bit vague but if the ability includes the word may assume the player chose not to perform it form it otherwise add it to the stack now unless it happened so long ago you think it'd be very disruptive to the game so we no longer have the turn cycle as the as the point at which we choose to put it on the stack like you just make a decision use your best judgment hey yeah is it going to cause a problem um other things we don't do um we don't add it to the bottom of the stack you add it to the stack um in the ipg you add it to the bottom of the stack in the jar you add it to the top i don't know why they did it that way but that's what it is um (laughs) because it almost never matters i think uh so and the other big thing to me is that and of course this this was already policy but if i see you miss a trigger at the pre-release i don't have to point it out anymore right yeah, yeah, yeah well i mean that wasn't a change to the jar though that was a change uh, to the jar sorry that line is in the jar now too yes so and i'm glad it is because there were a lot of people who were like well it's not in the jar even though it didn't need to be in the jar right a, lo- a lot of people just needed it in there just to be clear so i'm uh, glad that that line was added there. i am also glad that yeah that, that you are never required to point out your opponent's missed triggers uh you may point out their missed triggers you don't have to not do it like somebody mm-hmm. misses a trigger you can point it out um so, so regular if if they miss a trigger if it's a may it just doesn't happen otherwise use your best discretion about whether or not to put it on the stack right and um you know that's that's basically how that works now here's a question for you is you know what do you do as a judge at regular REL if you see somebody uh miss a trigger that's not you know you you see somebody play uh, uh i don't know uh you see somebody play, let's say, I don't know, something that makes a creature, and I'm blanking on this right now, but something that makes a creature when it comes into play, and they forget okay. to put the creature into play. Do you stop yep. them and say something, or do you not stop them and say something? 
Oof. Yeah, that's actually a really good question because that's like that's the battle between the uh, the I guess spike is the word mentality right. that the opponent might be having versus the kind of the philosophy of regular REL where we want a more fun uh, educational environment. Yeah, and that's tough. My my gut is to not say anything, but I could totally be just too too competitive there, you know. Well, you know, it's it's it really comes down to your play group here. You know, you get a right. lot of leniency in regular REL. If you're running an event that's full of new players, there's no rule that says you can't step in and be like, oh, hey, this is how this this ability works. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're full of in a room full of players that, you know, are all, you know, practicing for a PTQ because that that can happen or or at my shop, it's not uncommon for me to see a, uh, a small draft where actually eight out of the 10 people playing are queued for the Pro Tour. I'm probably not going to remind them to gain five life from their thrag tusk because they they would be uh they, they would probably be upset with me for doing that both players right. would be upset with me for doing that yeah but but in a more casual setting you know just know your players know your players know your player base and act accordingly um you know it's it's one of those things where this really comes down to you and your store Okay, so do we get any other uh, changes? Like the, the general philosophy, even though the document might look different, the document is still just two pages. Everyone running regular events should read it. Uh, but are there any other, anything else you want to discuss? I know you guys are talking about serious problems. Um, well, so one thing that's been changed is actually uh, the way aggressive behavior has been handled uh, in the serious problem section. It's been clarified significantly. Um, the way it was worded previously, things that were aggressive but that would get you match losses at competitive REL mm-hmm. would get you DQ'd at regular REL. Um, and, and now there's a set, uh, a section ab- right above serious problems that talks about what to do with um, players behaving in a way that's likely to upset other people. Um, that they deserve a special mention and give them a stern chat about what is expected at your store. Um, it's what uh, Eric Levine would have called the fear of God speech. Um, <laughs> the this is not OK here and this is what will happen if you continue to do this speech um, is what meant, what's meant by a stern chat. And uh, and any failure to curb the problem is considered a serious problem and was result in removal from the event. So that's been kind of separated and clarified there. Uh, and but threatening or aggressive behavior directed towards people or their property is still considered a serious problem. And you you DQ somebody for that. Okay. Did they actually call it a disqualification in the previous jar? I don't remember. Uh, they, no, they. I, I think, they I did. Think, they did. They did. actually use the word. Well, they were. They were talking about. They were saying that they said uh, in the previous one. They were saying there are certain behaviors any player engaging in the following must be disqualified from the event. And then it okay. says afterwards, it says if you do not hand out a disqualification, let the players know. Or if you do have to hand out a disqualification, let the players know. Which kind of seemed to imply that you know maybe you have. Had a little bit of leeway in not doing it and and, mm. the, and the new jar cleaned up that language so that it, it left out the uh yeah it, it made it made it removed the language that lets you think that you might be able to get away with not doing it and now it's it's very clear it's like these are not tolerated you will disqualify them when you disqualify them this is what you do as opposed to these are behaviors that we don't want you need to disqualify the players if you do disqualify them because of these things you know, right, right. Then, so it just it just firmed up the 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 language to remove uh, to remove the ambiguity. Okay. Uh, anything else about the jar you guys want to mention? Nope. All right, let's dive into our mail. Mail time. Our first one comes from Aaron Fleisch. Oh, his his topic or subject of his email says ATL, and I thought it was like about Atlanta, but it's about a symbol of Legion. He says, my opponent controls Assemble the Legion, which reads, at the beginning of your RP, put a muster counter on Assemble the Legion, then put a 1-1 red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield for each muster counter on Assemble the Legion. At the beginning of the first upkeep, where Assemble Legion gets a muster counter, can I use my Thrall Parasite, that's the uh, guy that you can tap Pay 2 Life to remove a counter from target non-limb permanent, to remove the counter from Assemble the Legion before the token gets created based on the number of counters. So he wants to have the counter go on, remove it real quick, before he actually gets a token. Does this work? What is he using to remove the counter again? Uh, Thrall Parasite. Ah. He's that one one with extort. Yeah. He has an ability to remove a counter, though, from a non-land permanent. So at the beginning, at the beginning of your upkeep, where symbol language gets a, can I use my Thrall Parasite? Oh, I gotta look up a symbol of the Legion. 
I just, the answer is no. No, you cannot. <laughs> it's all one triggered ability. Uh, as part of that triggered ability, it puts the muster counter on, then it rubs the lotion on its skin, and then it puts the 1-1 one, one red and white social creature token into play. It's just all one big it thing. It rubs the lotion on its skin? Or else or it, it gets, gets the, the hose again. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows. <laughs> uh, it's all part of one action. Nobody, No players get priority between those two actions. So he's always going to get at least one soldier token, even if you're removing a, uh, a counter at your first opportunity every single turn. Uh, next comes from our... Um, he might be our arch, arch nemesis now. Moriarty. <laughs> Call Moriarty. I don't want to answer this question. It's just encouraging him. No, we're talking about it. So here's the thing. I want to apologize to Colin because none of us have touched it, touched this email, and he sent it to us 27 days ago. We've responded to every other email. It's but we. It's because... Here, here's the thing. We're breaking out of the loop. That's what it is. He keeps, <laughs> this cycle. We're breaking out of the cycle because what he's doing is he's just like, hey, I got a question about a loop. And we answer it. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to change it slightly. Hey, I got a question about a loop. Hey, I got a question about a loop. Hey, I got a question like, about a loop. I like his question. All right. Well, then you says, answer it. I will. Except I just answered the last one. Dear Bear Cubs, he starts it, which I like. I was wondering if you could explain more about the artifact creature exception you referenced for type changing abilities. Oh, well, that's you, fine. But then he gets yeah. like a frantic and freed. And okay, well, count. we'll get there we'll get there no spoilers you mentioned this during your podcast on layers but not did not go into it how did this exception come about what is the reasoning behind it uh most of the rules of magic seem pretty universal this one seems very arbitrary particularly because in the normal cases you would care about man lands all the printed cards make it explicit that the card remains a land what gives okay so what's the artifact creature exception what is he talking about what he's talking about is the, uh, the the exception to type changing abilities, where normally if you change something's type and it doesn't say in addition to its other types, it, it erases all of the previous types. But it's specifically when you make something an artifact creature, it becomes just, or it becomes an artifact creature in addition to its other types. So it's, it's not just an artifact creature. If you make something that is a an enchantment an artifact creature, it will be an artifact enchantment creature. Um, so this is only true if it's an artifact creature. It's not true if it becomes a creature, and it's not true if it becomes an artifact, but when you bring the two together, it becomes whatever it was plus artifact creature, even if it doesn't say that. So this is probably some holdover from some old magic rule, but do any of us have any idea why this, this actually exists? Uh, I think it was because there was a way to turn lands if you... Uh... There, there was something that you could do to, like, screw them over so that their lands wouldn't produce mana if it didn't retain its previous types. So they added the rule in. I, I vaguely recall this. I mean, this is... Okay, I actually have no ago. idea, so... Yeah, the fact of the matter is, uh, we don't know. Uh, Matt Tayback has a, a Tumblr now at, I believe it's taybackrules.tumblr.com. You could ask him and maybe he'll answer you. And maybe he won't. But tell him JudgeCast sent you. Or not. Tell him JudgeCast North thing. <laughs> he has a second question. You can ask him this one, too. So then there's my question related to his last email. His last email is about loops, and we don't want to talk about loops ever. So we just keep putting them off. Under what circumstances am I prohibited from improving my chances of winning if doing so has a negative impact on tournament timing? So he goes I want on to, to clarify describe... that question before you before you go any further. Okay. Well, he goes there on to describe. There is no rule that prohibits you from improving your chances of winning. There is a rule that prohibits you from having a negative impact on tournament timing. But yes. that doesn't mean like it's not there to prohibit you from from improving your chances of winning. It, it it's there to have an, to to not have a negative impact on tournament timing. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, I think it's so he, he talks about a little combo between frenetic Efreet. Uh, well, let's talk about chance encounter first, which is a weird card. Uh, whenever you win a coin flip, put a luck counter on chance encounter at the beginning of your upkeep. If chance encounter has 10 or more luck counters on it, you win the game. So I think we can guess what frenetic Efreet does. He lets you for zero mana, uh, flips a coin, and then the rest doesn't matter because you can just activate the flip a coin infinite times. Okay, hey, quick, quick update while I've been silent because I've been trying to nail down the, the Jess versus Brian argument for improper draw at start a game. Okay. So far, so far right now, it's tied between the two of us <laughs> as far as uh, the way people the only the only thing the only thing that that I think tips it really in my scale, even though it's tied, is the fact that the notes say uh, for improper draw at start a game is there's no policy change. It's just clarification. So right, but if you're getting but a the old policy result, said that, too. Yeah, that's 
that's the old, kind of the issue, right? Well, the old pl- policy was talking about that player. So, so anyway, it's still anyway. T- it's still tied. I still think I'm going to win this one. I mean, so, you might can, win that. That's how we actually do it, but you can't can, possibly win that. That's how it's written because it's not. Continue on. Ah, it's, it's the English language, man. Interpretation. Anyway, talk about your frantic freet and your chance encounters. Frenetic. Whatever. Frantic. So, uh, you know, basically, this question is: it, it all goes back to the loop rules, which we don't want to get too deep into. And this question, I think, is a little bit of a trap too, because it's right. It's like, yeah, man, if you say you're going to flip a million coins, you, yeah, you're, you're going to hit it, right? Even though we can't guarantee you're going to hit it mathematically, you're going to hit it. Uh, and then you fall into that trap where, like, what about Emrakul? I can mathematically guarantee. Blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, Jess. Do you have any opinions on this one? I mean, yeah, I think this is pretty clearly falls into the the category of activating. You know, of, of I mean, it's a it, it's not exactly a loop, which mm-hmm. is the point. Uh, yeah, that's the point. You're activating yeah. a, an ability. You're, you're shortcutting basically. You're trying to shortcut through a certain number of abilities without being able to say what the game state will be after each activation of the ability. So you are saying what? I'm saying that that after you know trying to do it and continue to do it without changing the game state will end up being slow play. Yeah. Now, yeah, I don't, I don't like that answer, but I think no. that's what policy supports. I'd agree with that. Well, and I, I'm not the guy who changes the policy. So if he wants to poke me, if he wants to poke somebody about the policy being changed, that's not us. But that's that's what the policy says. And that's how that works. Yeah, you can call it Tobes for that. Oh, this is a long one. All right. Next email comes from Jackson. Jackson Wayne from Melbourne, Australia. Just his uh, least favorite place. Hey, I said nothing bad about Australia. <laughs> oh, wow. This I, was a, love- I, I answered this one. This was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, we're way behind. Uh, he says last weekend I played in a PTQ in Melbourne. Melbourne. And in round seven, something seedy came up and I wanted to get some other judges' opinions on it. I was playing a blue, white, red Delver deck and he was playing Junk Rights. We were at five to one, so the match was fairly important. At the beginning of the match, he offered ID, which I declined because it didn't put me in a good place for top eight. He was rather persistent, but I turned him down. On turn five of the game or so, I gained infinite life with that Boros Reckoner, Azorius Charm, Boros Charm nonsense. You know, I remember bringing that up and you guys being like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> And you were like, you're like, nobody's going to play this. And they play it all the time. I also said that um, splinter twin combo would never happen. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we judge because we're bad at this game. Yeah, I don't, don't ask me. Yeah. Okay, so he says that he also missed the fact that he's supposed to be... Uh, yeah, not healing. hugely hugely related, but I missed <laughs> the fact that I got to deal damage after I gained infinite life, and this was pointed out by a friend out watching the match. Uh, a judge was called and asked me to be a good sport and miss the trigger, which I did. Hmm. What? At a, in a PTQ? Yeah, uh, that was that was that's the wording, which is a little odd. Uh, after me gaining a very large amount of life, he thought for a minute. He didn't know if he had a way to his deck to win, so he decided to play through. For a while, he just played creatures, blinked his Obsidad, attacked with some guys, activated the Vault of the Archangel, and did the math to make sure he gained precisely the right amount of life. His life total reached well over 400. I just drew cards and played lands for my turn. We counted our libraries a few times, and every time I had one more card. Eventually, uh, he played Gavany Township and made sure to put dice on on each of his very oven on his many creatures. It was determined that he couldn't win the game. The judges agreed that as long as he was playing at a reasonable pace and the game state changed, he could continue. Uh, the match ended as a draw, with each of us having six cards in the library and him having no way to win. It was clear that he was doing things to take advantage of the clock to get a draw that he wanted. And all the while he was doing so, all the while I was sitting there with him watching him do math. And so he's he's basically like, I lost out of this because, uh, uh, because he was doing these things. He also says he typed all this on his phone. Yeah, that's a lot crap so so this is this is kind of hard because judging whether or not something is stalling is hard to do in person it's almost impossible to do uh you know through email uh after the event has occurred um so is is he and especially only getting one side of the story so is it is it stalling maybe uh doing math is installing putting counters on your dudes is installing playing out an unwinnable game isn't stalling yeah and i think that's the important one yeah uh yeah, playing out an unwinnable game is not stalling. Deliberately changing your of your pl- your pace of play is stalling. Like if you haven't been putting counters on all of your dudes and just been instead like pointing at them and saying like they all get plus one, you know that's and and that's the way you guys have been playing. And then suddenly at the end you're like, oh well now I'm going.
going to put counters on all of them very <laughs> deliberately, then that's something. But if it's the first time Gavany Township has come out, this particular game, and you're taking time to put all the counters on, but you took time to put all your counters on the, your guys last game too, well, that's that's not that's not doing anything. Um, or or that's 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 fine. So was it stalling? Eh? Is it a perception issue because you were also very aware of the clock, and so you're watching it, so your perception of time was different as well? I mean, if you think a player is doing that kind of thing, the best thing you can do is call a judge and have the judge watch. And it sounds like it sounds like you did call judges and they did watch. So in that in lack of any other evidence, then I'm going to have to side with the, the, the judges. If you are in that kind of situation as a player and you feel like they're stalling, the, what you need to look for is changes in their pace of play. Uh, the, the stalling requires a change in the pace of play in order to gain in order to take advantage of the clock. If in previous in the in the first game, for example, I, was this the first game? I, I don't remember seeing. No, this is the second. So this in, is the second the second game uh, or, or third game. Oh, no, they're both. Uh... It's just first game. It's the first game. Oh, is it just the first game? OK, whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's a game. game. It's the game that matters. Yeah. And uh, so, well, like, let's say he activated Gavity Township and went, I'm going to put plus one plus one counters on my guys. Go. And then started putting all the counters on his guys. But then when he realized he could run the clock out, he goes, I'm going to put plus one plus one counters on my guys. Hold on while I do that. <laughs> yeah. We have we have a clear change in his pace of play, and he's changing that pace in order to take advantage of the clock. So that that would be stalling. But without that that the, the evidence of him changing his pace or playing at an unreasonably slow play, pace, that there can't be a stalling penalty there. Unfortunately, yeah. even if it is stalling, there's just no yeah. way to 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 justifiably give the penalty. Yeah, and and the the this for a while he just played creatures, blinked his obs at that, attacked with some guys, and activated vault of uh, vault of the archangel, and did the math to make sure that he gained precisely the right amount of life. Uh, oh, sure, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Um. Now, if if previous games he was just like doing it really quickly, and in this game he was like counting and double counting and triple counting, that's that's a change, and that needs to be brought up to the to the judge's attention. All right. I think we can move on to the next question. Basically, we have to be there, but right now we're siding with the judge. Okay, next one comes from Jeff Simmers from Bucks County, PA. I used to live there. Did you? Yes. All right. He said as his friends and him were doing a draft for fun. During one of the games, my opponent has a white of precinct six on the board. White of precinct six reads, uh, white of precinct six gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your opponent's graveyards. He, uh, Jeff here, cast Act of Treason on his opponent's white of precinct six. Precinct is not an easy word to say. He wants to know whose graveyard is that white now looking at. So Jeff now controls the white of precinct six. Ooh, you know, if you listen to our layers episode, uh, you would know that we talk about control changing effects happen before power and toughness modifying effects. And what's important about that is that it means that it, basically it's looking at your opponent's graveyard now. Yeah. Yeah. You refers, refers to you. You, you refer, refers the to the controller, control. the controller yeah. of the white. You look at his uh, for each card. You you are now the you and your opponent is now the the former controller of the white. Also, Jeff says that he's become interested in becoming a judge uh, as part of listening to us. So that's awesome. That's cool. I'm Jeff. glad to hear it. That, yeah. That's Jeff, probably... I hope to, Jeff from Bucks County. I hope to see you in an event at some point. <laughs> yeah, that really is one of the main reasons why we do that. It's a really good feeling. So uh, uh, other other people out there who do this right in, tell us that, too. It it, it warms our hearts. <laughs> our cold, bitter hearts. All right. Next comes from Aaron Gangsky. Mine is. He says, hey, guys, been listening for the last few weeks and love the show. I'm an expiring MTG judge and your cast are very informative. I have a quick question if you don't mind. I never do. Aaron has Bear Cub in play. Yeah. <laughs> I love this Bear Cub thing. I love that. It's really caught on. <laughs> um, enchanted with Alpha Authority. Alpha Authority reads Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature has Hexproof and can't be blocked by more than one creature. And he also has Madcap Skills. Enchanted Creature gets plus three plus so it can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. You think they named it Madcap Skills just so they could be the joke was this creature's got mad skills. I think so, yeah. I think I, so. Too. I think pretty much. Or if uh, it's not, moves, it has to be now. He moves to the combat phase and declares the bear cub as an attacker. Nick has two bear cubs untapped and waiting to block. How does this work out? Well, I've got mad skills, but you have to respect my authority. <laughs> yes. 
that's basically how that works. So, so what's going on here, Jess? Uh, so basically, this creature is unblockable. Like, it's not technically unblockable, but right, it, it's it's unblockable. You can't block it uh by more than one creature or with more than one creature, and you can't block it except with more than one creature. So you can't block it because you can't meet all of these requirements. It's simply not yep. possible. Yep. You can only you can only do blocks that satisfy. Uh, uh, uh well, this these are these are actually restrictions, right? Right. So yeah, any kind of block that you try to you do would be an illegal block. Right. So you satisfy as many requirements as you can, but you have to satisfy all of the restrictions. And these are blocking restrictions. So the only blocks that are allowed with these restrictions are no blocks. No blocks. No blocks. Bear Cub gets through that mad, mad, that bear's got mad skills. <laughs> gets in there. Ain't nobody solving that bear. No. No, sir. He's ready. He's ready to graduate to Grizzly Bear with these kind of skills. But there is no graduating to Grizzly Bear. <laughs> bear Cub is Room Claw sad. Bear. You'll, you'll notice that I still have actually never said the name of that card on this show. You I are just notice. a bitter, bitter man. <laughs> you probably, you probably, when Bambi's mother died, you probably smiled. <laughs> You're like, that's good eating. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> good. Yeah. It is right. good eating. I don't know what you, you're talking about. You watched the beginning of Up when that old man's wife died, and you just looked at that and was like, she had it coming. <laughs> Jeez. Wally, you know, Wally, Wally and Eve, you were just like, robots can't feel love. Bah. Next question from Clinton. <laughs> he says he's building a Simic deck to run at Legacy, and I wanted to check the interaction on my Protean Hydra with Bioshift. Protean Hydra reads, well, it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. If damage would be dealt to Protean Hydra, prevent that damage or remove that many plus one plus one counters from it. And whenever a plus one plus one counter is removed from Protean Hydra, put two plus one plus one counters on it at the beginning of the next instep. Part of a long line of trying to capture that Hydra flavor, but they'll never do as good as Rock Hydra with the uh, heads, head counters. <laughs> Hill Hydra. There's a, there's a Captain America. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. All right. Let's say I bring in my Hydra as a 3-3. Three, three, and then bio shift away two plus one plus one counters and then immediately bio shift them back again. At the beginning of my end step, my Hydra would gain another four, uh, four plus one plus one counters becoming a five five. Is that right? So so the one thing is like I bio shift them away and then immediately bio shift them back again. So bio shift lets you move from one dude to another. So I, I think he's saying he's casting two bio shifts. I, I think so, too. But but then he says my Hydra would gain another four plus one plus one counters becoming a five five. Do I have this right? So uh, I'm it's like, where did the, where do these where do these counters go? The the two plus one plus one counters that were originally on the Hydra, where do they go? Um, so so let's assume that there's there's two bio shifts. You know, I cast bio shift to move the counters away because bio shift does require two targets. So I move the counters away and then I move them right back. Well, when I moved them away, uh, the, the trigger happens. So at the end of turn, I'm going to get two counters for each one that was removed. Two were removed. So I'm going to get four. So I get four plus the two that are already on there. So I have now six plus one plus one counters, which makes it a seven, seven. Yes. So I think I think when he said another four, he was just skipping a step there. I, I guess, but then it says becoming a five-five. So, so whatever. Based on what you described, assuming two bio shifts, you have a seven-seven uh, hydra now. Hail hydra! <laughs> uh, he also went on to talk about our our little discussion about programming languages and split cards, and I don't think we need to get into that. He didn't like that at all, man. He, <laughs> you weren't wrong, just a little confusing, is what he said. The whole the whole thing. Uh, whatever, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, all right, last one from Matt. Max Bender, yep. And this one is this. Oh, is this from your fact episode? Because I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. But I wasn't on that episode. That's why I'm confused. Clearly, uh, it's because I wasn't there. Yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, he says that gate plus Michael Synth Lattice plus March of the Machines plus Lazav. We really got too complicated on that one. Uh, we'll get us the an eleventh gate, eleventh uniquely named gate without using um. What's her name? Uh, uh, Shakashima, the imposter. Yeah, but unfortunately that doesn't work. I don't think there is any other way beyond Shakashima because uh, Lazav reads, whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may have Lazav to be a master come and copy that, blah, blah, keeps from its name. From anywhere. From anywhere, yeah. From so anywhere. You're talking about when you say other way, other than what? Other than Shakashima, the imposter, copying an animated gate. You're trying to get an 11th gate? Yeah, with a different, yeah. With a different name. That was that was what we asked people to do is write in with a way other than that to get an 11th gate 
Come on, Jess. Other than Sakashima. Other than, other than Sakashima. Uh, other than Sakashima. I don't see what I can't come up with a way. Eleventh gate. Um. Mm, this had to be the last email. You can't give me like ten minutes to think about it. You jerks. <laughs> no. Nope. Um. That's it. Oh, I don't know if there if there is. Yeah. Well, we'll That's we'll such. talk about it. Hey, if you listeners have a way, um, email us. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So we can't involve Sakashima, or Sakashima can't be the copy. Yeah, because Sakashima's already won. So let's say we want a twelfth game. But can it involve Sakashima? Basically, what I'm saying is, can I make my Lazav a copy of Sakashima? No. If you're using Sakashima as your way of getting the gate, but like then I could have twelve gates. No, actually, sure. I like that. Sure, you could. That does get us twelve because, gates because you can you can make your Lazav a copy of Sakashima. Oh wait, does that work? Does that does Sakashima do work that way? I don't actually know. Um, I have no idea what Sakashima uh, does. <laughs> does she enter the battlefield and you can't change later? Or yeah, uh, she enters the battlefield yeah. as something, so that doesn't work. Uh, it's never gonna work. Um, never gonna. Never gonna do this. Never gonna get eleven gates, twelve gates, twelve gates. Not that you'd want to. Ah but... <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that's such a pain. Well, let me finish explaining it though, real quick. So Lazav's trigger triggers from anywhere, which means we look at the stats of the card that made it trigger as that card exists in the graveyard. This is different from a dies trigger or a leaves the battlefield trigger, where we look at the stats of that card on the battlefield. I'm sure we've talked about that before, but yeah. the point is that thing, if you animate that land, that animation effect will end when the card is in the graveyard. And and here and here's an easy way to think about it. Okay. It says whenever a creature card goes to the graveyard from anywhere, okay, if I mill it or if I mill it from my library or discard it from my hand, it was never on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So that those triggers right there can't only care about the battlefield because it was never on the battlefield so it has to it, it has to look from the only place that's common to all three of those which is which is you know if i discard the card if it dies uh, and goes to the graveyard if it's milled from the top of my library the only place that's common to all those is well it's now in the graveyard so so we'll just say that it triggers there and that's been worked into the rules and codified as if it goes to the graveyard from anywhere finger quotes because it was never right. it was never necessarily on the battlefield. And that was the last email. So if you out there want to email us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash the judgecast. Jesse, figure out a way yet? I'm thinking about it. Hold on. I'm work- I'm actually working on it. I'm doing some gather searching right now. Um, All right, Brian, let's so. fill, fill space. No, you're, okay. good. you're good. You can, you, I'll come back next time and, and, and hopefully okay. come up with an answer. Does it have to be a black bordered or white bordered card? If you want yeah. to use uncards, I feel like yeah. you've lost the bet if you're going into uncard. <laughs> okay, okay, never mind, never mind. I just happened to see one in my gather search and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, uh, here's yeah, here's how I'm gonna use time machine to bring a land. I, from, just, <laughs> I, I had a time machine and avatar of me. I used to keep in my pocket for every time I played against one of my friends because that's what was time machined, and he had to deal with it. All right, I'd like to thank all the listeners for listening. I hope you enjoy all of our shows. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My name's CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. My name's Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. And my name's Ryan Prillman. I keep it Simic won the gate maze runner thing at the end of the pre-release. Woo! Last week, Brian got to say he kept it fun or whatever. And, and, I, and, I, and I shut down because I didn't know. <laughs> I, like, I keep it fair. And I was like, I'm Brian Prilliman and I keep it fun. That doesn't sound Oh, my right. God. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Did like, you I know you can give things gatewalk? What? No. Oh. How are you going to do that? Traveler's Wait, Cloak. Choose a non- land type. That's that's oh funny. not a basic land type <laughs> wow what is that from invasion yeah, yeah i'm trying to find out if there's a way i can make things give something else the gate ability or the gate type and i don't think i can that's really funny though but yeah i, I didn't realize if i give things gate walk i can give things like lotus walk urza's yes urza's walk urza's walk yes urza's walk because that is a type urza's